Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Happy Thanksgiving weekend and welcome to Church Online. I hope that this week involves what the boys were talking about in all the food that the season comes with. I love myself a little turkey, a little dark meat. Let's be honest, it's the best meat at the time of year. And uh, that spirit of thankfulness as we reflect on the year that was and the ways in which we are blessed. Uh, If this is your first time joining us here at City Collective, welcome. My name is Jason and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at City Collective. And amongst the other things that I am thankful for, I am thankful that you are able to join us this morning, that we are able to stay connected for our Sunday morning gathering. My hope is that this time together today is one that encourages you, that challenges you, and invites you to discover more about the heart of God for you and for our world. Wherever you are in your journey of faith, I believe wholeheartedly that this is a great place to be. Uh, On this Thanksgiving weekend, we are beginning a new series on the book of Exodus, journeying with the Israelites through an unexpected season of wandering. Perhaps Moses, Prince of Egypt, yes, I got the right movie this week, uh, is what comes to mind when we say the word Exodus. But it's, it's a spirit of wandering that kind of is in the midst of the entire narrative, longing for what was, forgetting what, from what they came from, losing sight of where they're going. And in many ways, I would contend that this sounds a lot like this season, the one that we find ourselves currently in. So I believe that we have a lot to learn. And I said this a couple weeks ago, that the words and life of Jesus are foundational for an example of how we should live and be shaped. And I believe that in every season of our life, we need to be looking at the life of Jesus. But the story of Israel in the Bible is this humbly accurate account of what it means to be human. And for the Jewish people, they are delivered from slavery and they begin this journey of finding God in the middle of nowhere. The book of Exodus is a fascinating compilation of of liberation, of adoption, of of midwives, of mothers, of manna and stone tablets and so much more. We walk near the great Nile River and we cross the Sea of Reeds. We stand in awe at Sinai and we wander the wilderness before catching a glimpse of the promised land. So I'm excited about this series. I hope you catch that. Because I think it's a foundational narrative that never ceases to offer rich metaphors, deep challenges, and new trajectories. There is a reason we hear the the drumbeats of this story throughout the Torah and the rest of Scripture. This drumbeat calling out, remember, remember, remember when you were once slaves in Egypt. We learn that God hears the cries of the oppressed, that God acts, God delivers, and we hear the freedom song. But Exodus also takes us out of Egypt, across the wilderness into a land where a new kind of trust is required for a new kind of king. There will be a new law and fresh challenges for people now working out their freedom on the other side of slavery. And to quote Nelson Mandela, It is indeed a long walk to freedom. The story of Exodus may seem to only have its space in the escape from Egypt for some of us, that that's the only way we've known it to be, but we're going to start on the other side of the sea, of a people who are now delivered, an enemy defeated, and freedom before them. So on this Thanksgiving weekend, 
We're going to read together from Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Hey guys, uh, I'm going to be reading Exodus 15, verses 1 to 13 out of the NLT. A song of deliverance. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. For his chariots and army he has hurled into the sea. The finest of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters gushed over them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, smashes the enemy. In your greatness of your majesty, you overthrow those who rise against you. You unleash your blazing fury. At the blast of your breath, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood straight like a wall. In the heart of the sea, the deep waters became hard. The enemy boasted, I will chase them and I will catch up with them. I will plunder them and consume them. I will flash my sword, my powerful hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness, awesome and splendor, performing great wonders. You raised your right hand and the earth swallowed our enemies. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. Thanks to Johan, Gabby, and Benji for leading us in that reading this morning. And, to shout, and a shout out to Gabrielle and Aaron in our How You Doing segment. Love you guys. And Aaron, I love the stash. So strong. So we find ourselves with the Jewish people on the other side of, of a miracle. A salvation that they honestly never saw coming, or maybe hoped for, but didn't actually see coming, breaking out into this celebratory song is the people of Israel. And this is no obligatory, makes me cringe a little bit every year because it feels awkward, happy birthday. And this is no late night karaoke with one person singing and people awkwardly watching. This is Miriam, sister of Moses, drum in hand, leading the people in a song of freedom. A song of victory. And my question for you this morning is, do you have an anthem from a key moment or from your childhood that you just break into on occasion? Ripe with interwoven memories or subconscious triggers that cause you to break out into song? I know I most definitely have some of those. I know that Adriana would not count this as one of the things that she is thankful for in this season because she can fully attest that there are certain things that I have a great memory for. Uh, random, useless sports facts is one of them that I can put down and so put me in for a uh, good sports trivia night. I'm feeling pretty confident. Names and lyrics of well-known songs, however, is not one of them. But does that really stop me from singing the tune of a well-known song with lyrics that are slightly different? Not in the slightest. And so I wouldn't count that as something she is thankful for, but man, I love myself a good anthem and to break out into song and then it just happens. And 
You might even have a random Bollywood song find its way into the mix once in a while because over about a two year period there was every Friday night where my dad would bring home a Bollywood movie for us to watch and I didn't even really understand. I'm reading subtitles but man those, those songs, some of them really stuck with me and so I'll break out into a random Hindi moment and I really don't know what I'm saying but man it sounds good. Meaningful moments with family intertwined in the midst of that and I don't even subconsciously realize it and we all have these and The Jewish people in this moment they have the significant Manuscript of freedom that generations to follow would declare and continue to do so today this anthem for them They just can't help themselves It's an anthem heavy with meaning and movement propelling people forward with the sense of hope that when you're down and out, this is the song that brings you back to your senses. That the lyrics are meant to remind them, they're meant to remind you who you are and where you've come from. The melody points ahead. And that's the way of anthems. They remind you, they move you. They're a declaration of God's faithfulness, a declaration of their thankfulness. The Song of the Sea was one of the great epiphanies of history. The sages said that even the humblest of Jews saw at that moment what even the greatest of prophets who lived afterwards were not privileged to see. A people who got their collective voice in the midst of celebration. Because for the first time, they broke into a collective song, a song that the Jewish people recite every day. The celebration does not simply dwell on the past, though they are recognizing it. The song looks forward with optimism to the future, anticipating the, the, the settlement of the Israelites, Israelites in Canaan or the Promised Land. And the emphasis is on the people dwelling with God himself. And this is an indication that the exodus, what we're going to go through, is about much more than slaves being set free. It's about the harmonious establishment between God and those redeemed from bondage. The story of rescue was a spectacular one, but the story was not over. Man, Moses, before they cross over, he stands at the edge of the water, staking his staff in the ground, watching the waters recede before him. And I don't know what that looked like exactly for them in that moment. Maybe it was literally walls of water that stood up for the Israelites to pass through, fish floating around, swimming around on either side. Or was it simply the waters pulled back? at the edges so that they created a perfect seam of land to walk across like a huge gust of wind that beat back the waters just enough to walk through. Did it look miraculous or did it look innocuous? We, we don't know exactly, but we do know that salvation came for those people. Great stories would be told of this, but one in particular is interesting to me. Rabbis used to tell a story about two Israelite men who are lost in the crowd of people walking through the Red Sea. The crowd was, was so big, the people were so dense, and the rush to leave Egypt was so intense, and these two older Jewish men got caught in the middle of the crowd, and they just kept on talking to each other as everyone walked. And the way the story goes is they, they, they actually complained to each other, and they started to feed off of each other, and they started worrying about, lo and behold, the mud that was getting in their feet. 
between their toes, in their sandals. It was squishing between with tiny rocks collecting under their heels. You know how awful it is when you're wearing sandals, right? This doesn't have that comfortable feeling to it. And so they walked and they walked and they complained and they complained and they grumbled and they grumbled their way through the Red Sea in the middle of a miracle and they never looked up from their toes and they completely missed the entire moment. They got to the other side, the land dried out, and they finally looked up and they said to each other, thank God for dry sandals. Now, if that is not an exercise in missing the point, I don't know what is. It's good to thank God for small things, you should do that. But if all you can thank God for after four generations in Egypt with historical scholars projecting that around 115 years of which were in direct slavery with hundreds of years prior, a gradual process in which the Egyptians slowly pressured these Israelites to volunteer for the public works to show that their love for Egypt was just as much as their own, to seem patriotic and it turned into slavery. If that is all you can thank God for is dry sandals, you have missed the point. And yet, unfortunately, this is far from a rare experience in the human story because often the miraculous is less a question of God's involvement in our lives and is more a product of our ability to notice when God shows up. We're free. Let's get to the promised land. The impossible has happened. The response of the people in breaking out the psalm seems right, but I bet you those men were a sentiment that kind of existed. Because the story wasn't over for Israel and it wasn't super straightforward. They didn't just go straight to the promised land. It would seem that they would have everything that they would need to be content to continue that journey. That God is in control. That God is a provider. That God is a redeemer. And that God is on our side. Miracle has, a miracle has taken place. You would think that a posture of gratitude would seem to be the default after such a moment. Because isn't that what we say to God when we're on our own a journey when we have our own moments of discontent. God, I want to be thankful, but what do I really have to be thankful for? I need a sign. I need you to do the impossible, and then I'll believe. But, but here's what it is. That a posture of gratitude that is based purely on a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately attitude is never going to survive the trials of the wilderness that our lives are guaranteed to encounter. And sure enough, this is what the people of Israel encountered. We read that response after their miraculous rescue. Like I said, a beautiful anthem of celebration and gratitude. And they continue in their journey and you're like, they got it right. They're going to do good. They're going to push forward. And then in verse 27, God brings them to an oasis. And he provides again the sustenance that they needed. Now, Fast forward, not long after, just next chapter, and we find ourselves at the 15th day of the second month after they've come out of Egypt and into the desert, and now the whole community is grumbling against Moses and Aaron. And they grumbled, and they murmured, and they talked amongst themselves. And we've all been there. The employees don't like the boss, so they talk about her and they commiserate about him, and, and they plot the downfall of management. Insert 
people and, and a pastor and, and certain friends and around one person. Plenty of scenarios where this has come to life because we are fixated on this what have you done for me lately style of gratitude. But for the Jewish people, it's been 45 days since they've had a good solid meal. Their concern is pretty legitimate. But rather than turn to God who had just brought them safely out of Egypt by parting the Red Sea, what do they do? They grumble and they complain at Moses. They murmur and they wish they were dead. Rather, they send them back. Rather, they throw their hands up and walk away. But what God says is perhaps this can too actually be a learning moment. He lets them grumble. He lets them complain. And then he says, maybe I can teach them something. And he gives them food. And he gives them guidance. And what he's doing, and he's beginning this process of teaching them how to follow his ways. Manna falls from heaven, this divine gift of generosity in the wilderness. Sometimes we imagine in the text of the Old Testament this image of an angry, petty, small God who demands fealty and fear and perfection. But this is not the image here. Rather, it is one of a profoundly gracious, caring Father who longs to see His people grow and mature and learn and become something better. This is the God who is not done with His people, yet this is the Father who is also not done with you. And maybe at times you have been less than mature with your complaints against God. You quickly forget what was and you're so focused on what is that you have kept them in the back of your mind. You have carried those complaints and those murmurs and, and you've let them slip into conversations with people around you when, you are, when you're feeling vulnerable. But the truth is that you've never actually told God that you're frustrated with Him. You've never prayed your complaints clearly and honestly and articulately before God. You've murmured. Then you've grumbled and you've wished things were different and you feel like you did your part but God didn't come through on the other end and you've taken it out on, on friends, on, on family, on, on pastors, on loved ones, on, on whomever comes into the situation to hear you speak. They get the brunt of your frustration because you've forgotten the God who was and the God who continues to be. God is not done with you if that's you today. He has not given up on you because I also want to say that God is not so small that he can't take your honest complaints. God is not looking for a perfect answer in every moment, but he wants an honest one. And here's a lesson that we can learn in this story. The ability to honestly evaluate what is bothering us. Who we should be talking to about it. And what we should be asking for is in many ways the exact same skill that help us to be, helps us become aware of all the ways that we're blessed and supported and encouraged in our lives. And if we don't know how to honestly talk about God, to God, about what is bothering us, then we probably don't know how to honestly thank Him for what He's given us either. Because these are both two sides of the same coin. And that goes for any relationship that, uh, that you're a part of. If you can't talk about what is hard in the relationship, then you're probably not going to do a good job of talking about what's good either. Hashtag marriage. 
And this is important because God is not looking for some unqualified gratitude that always looks on the bright side and ignores the struggle and throws on a peachy grin every morning regardless of what's going on in the world. That is not what God is asking for. God did not ask the Israelites to pretend that they were full when they were hungry. But what he is looking for is an open, honest, mature people who can be in a healthy relationship with him. The Jews are hungry in the desert and they don't know where to turn to God for help, so they complain. And they're given miracle food, manna from heaven, bread from heaven in the middle of the night, and they don't know how to thank God for it. So they wish for something else, even though it was given. And this is what we would call a dysfunctional relationship. People who don't know how to express their concerns, their struggles, and their needs, and they don't know how to say thank you when it should be said. But a healthy one is where we can name what is wrong and ask for help when we need it. Where, where we notice what is good and we celebrate that generosity wherever it is. See, a willingness and ability to come with honesty before God speaks of a response in the wilderness that is based on who we believe God to be rather than what we feel like God has done for us lately. If I believe God to be gracious, then I will come forward with my confession knowing that it will be met by grace, but I will be honest. But then I also have the capacity to celebrate the grace that I recognize as only coming from God. If I believe God to be judgmental, then I'll be hesitant to bring my failures forward and I'll actually feel like I've earned my redemption and forgiveness and build pride instead of gratitude. And even if there was a miracle to reflect upon, it would seem like a one-off instead of an extension of God's true character. Do we have thankfulness out of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately attitude? See, after God uses Moses to lead his people out of that, the, peop, the place of Egypt, this anxiety system, a mentality of what have you done for me lately, God miraculously provides manna, or, or as Walter Brueggemann calls it, wonder bread from heaven, demonstrating what is called divine generosity and abundance. But as the biblical narrative makes clear, the people of God didn't find it easy to move out of Egypt. The, the Jewish people only knew how to show gratitude out of their what have you done for me lately mentality. And God had done a lot, but at the latest moment that they found themselves, it was all forgotten. And God was going to take the season of Exodus to do more than provide, but to also teach and shape them to know him as the God who provides. That's because having left the anxiety system of Pharaoh, they, they found themselves not in an ideal place of safety, security, and comfort, but rather in the wilderness. This anxiety system is whenever you function from a place of what have you done for me lately, it is an anxiety system. And wilderness is this biblical rhetoric where there are no viable life support systems, but grace, grace is the occupying generosity of God that redefines a place. 
This, this giving of the manna, this wonder bread, this gift of grace recharacterizes the wilderness of where they're going to be and it places life where it shouldn't be because that's what God does. Walter Brueggemann, he argues that for us today, a similar departure is required. We need to stop living in the Egypt that we placed ourselves, not from a literal pharaoh perhaps, but from an adherence to whatever 21st century anxiety system we find ourselves in. Whatever, what have you done for me lately system that feeds our emotional roller coaster. Because when we experience God's generosity and abundance, and recognize it for the grace that it is, we are freed up like never before, before to to be grateful for not simply what God does, but who God is. We talked about the rabbinic stories of, of Jews who walked through the middle of the sea, staring at their feet, completely unaware of the moment and missing the miracle. And sometimes the miraculous is less a question of God's involvement in our lives and more a product of our ability to see God clearly when he shows up. This morning, you likely got up uh, slowly, perhaps, in in a warm home that is heated through systems of natural gas distribution that would have been science fiction a hundred years ago. You're dressed in clothing that maybe it was made half a world away on another continent, something that would have been unimaginable a thousand years ago. Every day, you're driving in a vehicle or in your car powered by tiny explosions of combustible liquid made from long-dead dinosaurs which turn pistons that crank gears, that spin wheels, something that would have been impossible without millions of history behind, millions of years of history behind it. You, you turned on your computer this morning. That is probably one of many not taking up full rooms in your home, tuned into a church service where the God of the universe chose to meet our scraggly group of morning breath human beings that need a word from God. You want to talk about signs and wonders and where's the miraculous in this world. The the good news is that everything is miraculous in this world because the God of the universe, he creates and he sustains and he upholds and he maintains everything that we depend on for breath. If we are honest about it, the world is incredible. And it is full of God's generosity. But if you don't have context to say to God, this is what I am legitimately struggling with, this is my pain, and this is what I'm going through, then it's very hard to say, this is what I'm celebrating. This is where I understand your generosity to be. This is where I want to say thank you. We often associate optimism as blindness, but sometimes I think grumbling is the most narrow-minded perspective to care. If you don't have the context that the split sea is, it took place, it's easily forgotten and a miracle bread will eventually get stale. And so maybe this morning you have something you need to thank God for. You have grumbled and complained and murmured and it has sapped away your ability to notice all of the ways that God has blessed and supported and been generous to you. And in this moment, it becomes clear 
that the only thing that needs to be said is a sincere and quiet thank you. Perhaps you need to speak honestly with God to know that God is with you right now. The lesson of the split sea and the manna from heaven is not to keep smiling and move forward. It is that being open and honest in, in, in God's generosity and our faithfulness and in our struggle and our need will actually give you something to smile about. Because being open in our struggle and being truthful in our thankfulness are two sides of the same coin. And it is indicative of a mature, honest, open relationship with the divine. And this is what we're invited to have. Has your complaining about wanting what was blinded you from seeing the beauty of what is? Are you so consumed by that little bit of mud between your toes, that uncomfortable feeling, that unplanned for portion of the year that you have had your head down murmuring with those who will affirm your grumbling and you haven't looked around to see the miracle that God is doing all around us? Gratitude for redemption is tied to this anticipation for future life with God, but we have to believe that God is who he says he is. If I live my life constantly from a place of just thanking God for what has happened lately, that is going to leave me parched in the wilderness. Gratitude for divine salvation should be a natural response in all of God's people. And gratitude that is an outflow of a healthy relationship founded upon who God is and not simply what is done. Let's, let's be more than just what have you done for me lately, people. Let, let's, let's be founded on the person of Jesus, who he is, and in turn what he did for our hearts of gratitude to be founded upon. And let's remove the blinders of our grumbling to see the miracles that we can thank God for every single day around us. I feel as if this is a call to us as a church this morning. City Collective, lift up your eyes. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from God. See the miracles and give thanks. See the mundane and give thanks. See the majesty of who God is and give thanks. Taste and see that the God of the universe is good and his mercies never cease. His love endures forever and his heart is always for you. Thank you, Jesus, that this is our promise to found our hearts of gratitude upon today. You can, you can say the right things and put it all together in, in a beautiful song and, and it can fill you up in the moment, but are we celebrating who God is or just what God has done for us lately? my invitation to you this morning, can we humble ourselves? Can we reflect upon some of those questions presented? And can we look forward into the future with, with this hope based upon who God is, trusting that that is unchanging in every season? Let's pray together this morning. Father, we give you thanks that your mercies never fail that your love endures forever, and that your grace is constantly pursuing us. 
So wherever we find ourselves this morning, lacking honesty in our relationship with you, having a dysfunctional response where we hide things to ourselves because we don't trust who you are, we just ask that we would just be given boldness and courage to come before you with a new sense of honesty, knowing that honesty in our, in our struggle can also reveal an honesty in our celebration that you don't just desire a, a nice smile and, and a good look on, your face, and our, on our faces when things are tough, but you desire to be with us in the struggle so that you can give us something to smile about. On this Thanksgiving weekend, when it feels at times like we are simply manufacturing this feeling of thankfulness, I pray that our hearts are overwhelmed with this authentic gratitude that fills us up, that wells up within us and spills over into every space, every conversation, every dinner, every, every prayer that is prayed is just full of gratitude that is genuinely just a celebration of who you are and what you continue to do in the world around us and the world within us. We give you thanks and we look forward to how that thankfulness unlocks so much more in our lives than anything else we can do right here, right now. We enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. We enter in this morning. Bless our homes, bless our, our families. Thank you for this Thanksgiving long weekend. Lead us closer to you. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.